Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 129 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we will look back at Denny Hamlin's big win over the weekend at Bristol, get a reaction, what it means for the playoff picture, look ahead to this weekend's race in Texas. Uh, also, we'll dive into the top headlines going on across the sport as uh, we were Saddened by the uh, passing of uh, Sherry Pollux. We'll uh, discuss that coming up later on as uh, we'll also discuss the big changes going on with uh, Trackhouse and Spire and Zane Smith. And we'll get to our uh, Ask David segment coming out at the end of the show. Jerry Jordan is here with us. We'll bring him in coming up in a bit uh, and uh, look forward to having him on the show this week. But first and foremost, we... Bring in the one and only, the star himself, David Starr here with us. David, uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, Denny Hamlin getting a win. I know that he's only got, what, three wins on the year, but I I feel like that it it feels like he's won more than that. That team has run really well all year, and and they're looking like a championship caliber team. Is this Denny's year to finally get it done, David? Well, I, I hope so. You know, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if he has a whole lot of people cheering for him, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he'd be kind of cool. You you don't want to see him be like a Mark Martin. You know, Mark was a true champion. I mean, won lots and lots of races, just, a, uh, you know, and he never got that championship. And, uh, man, I, we all love Mark Martin, and, uh, and he did an amazing job, a superstar, a superstar of our sport. But, you know, I'd like to see Danny Denny win a, a championship, man. He's been, you know, this year, just talking about, he's had so much speed throughout the year. You know, you every race you're talking about Denny Hamlin, whether they can complete the race and different circumstances obviously come to play, but uh, they've had a lot of speed. And, you know, we talk about it a lot, Tyler. Uh, they're, you know, they got a lot of momentum on their side, and I think it's coming at the right time, you know, but – yeah, if we if you didn't talk about Joe Gibbs racing and Denny Hamlin as a as a, a, a you know a favorite to win the championship, you know I think we'd be highly mistaken ourselves. You know, what I mean, I think they're the they're one of the one or two that uh, along with uh, Byron uh, with William Byron, you know, and, and you got to look at uh, Kyle Larson. I mean, it's uh it's going to be interesting moving forward. Dominic Harlegon joins us right now as well. Dom, uh, I got to say. I know that Denny's a bit older now, but with the contract stuff taken care of, um, him being more mature and everything here, I feel like we're seeing a more relaxed Denny Hamlin uh, that he's driving loose, that he's enjoying himself out there. He's not uptight. Um, We saw him embrace the villain role of sorts and, you know, playing to the crowd saying, you know, I beat your driver and then talking about it in his podcast and all that. I like this version of Denny Hamlin and it might be the difference between him winning a championship this year compared to years previously when he hasn't been able to get the job done. Like he's, he's out there driving with nothing to lose. It seems. And it seems like there's always that Joe Gibbs racing driver to dislike. It seemed like fans dislike Tony Stewart when he drove the 20 car for whatever reason, same with Kyle Busch over the years. Denny Hamlin embracing that role as Joe Gibbs racing. And I think to add on too, we this has been a theme of the show the entire year. And, I, and I'm curious to see what Jerry thinks about this too when we get him in here in a few, is that Denny Hamlin is 
pulling the Bobby Allison. Bobby Allison won his championship in his 18th year of full-time racing. Denny Hamlin is in year 18. He now has, I don't think, a record he wants to hold on to. He has the most wins without winning a championship. He broke that tie this weekend with Junior Johnson. But 51 wins, 12th on the all-time wins list. I've been saying it all year. Denny Hamlin, the favorite to win the championship, and he is looking as good as ever, and he's looking like a championship contender. That championship four is going to include that 11 team. Yeah, I think so. And we've seen in the past, David, that sometimes the, these veterans, you know, when they've been there, done that, they are determined when it when when it comes to getting that championship, the win at all costs approach. When when Kevin Harvick won his uh, one championship, found a way, whatever it took, just dominated, got it done. Tony Stewart with his third and final championship didn't enter the playoff with any wins. This might be that type of run that we're about we're seeing from Denny Hamlin, where he he goes out and he wins at all costs to make sure this championship is his. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, they, they have a lot of momentum on their side. And, you know, Denny Hamlin and that Joe Gibbs Racing organization, they're a, you know, they're a championship caliber team. We, we've known that for years. And, uh, you know, we, different circumstances and, and things have happened, and and he hasn't achieved that goal. But, uh, but man, I think this year, 2023, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, 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 it's not his to lose, but uh, – you know, and I agree with what Dominic said. I mean, I think you'll see him, Denny, will be one of the last four going for the championship when they get to Phoenix, you know. But it's interesting because his teammate Kyle Larson's lots of speed. You know, they're, they've they really been uh, on fire here lately, too. That Hendrick organization is amazing. You know, you look at William Byron, you know what I mean? It's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's whoever wins it, it's not going to be given to them. They're going to have to earn it, you know, and uh, – uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's just interesting. I would never thought that Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick weren't going to be part of the, you know, moving forward. But, uh, but anyway, you can't, you can never count out Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, we talk about Chase Elliott and, and what a rough season it's been for him and, and, uh, uh, um, guys, teammate, um, going to blank here, the, uh, 48 car. Oh, Alex Bowman. Uh, Alex Bowman, you know, they were a little off this year, which is, you know, very interesting and and unlike that organization to have. But man, the the other two cars have plenty of speed, man. They're fast. And it's uh it's gonna be a war all the way up to the end, you know. Yeah, I think so. War is a, a great way to describe it there for sure. Uh our guest this week. Dominic is a guy that uh, you and I and David, we all know very well. Uh, he is very entertaining. He's got a great story. He, he's been on this show a couple different times. I believe this is his third appearance, but we always have something to talk about when he joins us. Uh, the one and only Jerry Jordan is here with us this week, uh, Dom. Absolutely. He is the first guest to actually have a third appearance here on Let's Go Racing. But hey, who's keeping track? Jerry Jordan, how can you talk Texas Motor Speedway and racing in the great state of Texas without, of course, having David Starr? But Jerry Jordan, who hails from Texas, and I talked to the Jerry on Tuesday about coming on the show. He agreed to come aboard and, and help us preview this weekend and just share the love of racing. So Jerry, thanks again for joining us as always here on Let's Go Racing. 
Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, David's right uh, uh, in forgetting about Alex Bowman. This is a year that Alex Bowman wants to be forgotten about <laughs> and the whole year itself. This has not been a good year for Alex Bowman. Um, and coming into Texas this weekend, you are, you guys are spot on about Denny Hamlin. The, you know, the track sent us out these big storylines. What's the storyline coming in? The number one storyline for Texas Motor Speedway is Denny Hamlin. But I want to go back and say, look, I picked Denny Hamlin to be the champion this year. Okay, I'm, I'm actually, if Denny wins, I will go three for three. So I will have picked Logano and Larson. So, you know, I am, I am get, like right on track to, to have three in a row here, you know, with, with the champions. So uh, just, just pointing that out. And, and I can prove it because I bet my picks at the beginning of the year, as your as Dominic knows. Hey, there you go. Jerry, yeah, Jerry, Jerry's the gambler of the group for sure, Tyler. <laughs> so tell me this, Jerry, what, how much did you put down? What would your payout be? I didn't bet a lot. I didn't have that much faith in him. Okay. There's 40 other drivers out there, but uh, I think I put 10 bucks on Denny. I think at the time he was uh, a 15 to one to win the championship. So 150 bucks. Okay. Not bad. bad. I mean, he's always around. I mean, no, I don't think anybody had odds that were, were lower than eight to one when I, you know, where I, when I was looking at it back, you know, what, six months, seven months ago. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't remember. Um, maybe Larson had some lower odds than that, but but I, I can't remember. Okay. So Jerry, uh, while we're on the topic of Diddy Hamlin and everything here, before we get into the business of the day and everything, um, you know, when I look at where Denny's at, what we mentioned there of the championship runs, where guys just tend to take over in those moments. I mean, even you know. Chase Elliott did it a couple of years ago with his title winning. What was it? Two or three of the final four races. I mean, he was, you know, he was in that rhythm. Do you think it is Denny going to have that moment? Like those, the next few races where, where he just dominates, he goes out there and finds a way to get it done. Is that what it's going to, we're going to see you think here from Denny Hamlin, this final stretch. Well, I spoke to Denny um, in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago, right? uh, We had the media day right before the playoffs officially started. And, you know, and people talk about his life being, you know, chaos and all this. He loves this. He loves being, you know, booed and the center of attention and, and, you know, being a, you know, you know, being, I I don't know how, how far I can go with the adult language on here, but, you know, here you go as far as you want. (laughs) His life is a shit show sometimes. Okay. (laughs) And he, he thrives on that. And it gives him. He thrives energy. in chaos. Yes, he does. He thrives in chaos, and he has said that he embraces it. So I, I think, um, you know, he is more relaxed when his life is in chaos, and uh, I, I don't understand it, uh, but, but it works for him, and, and I like this new kind of bad guy role that he's taking on. It, it, I think it's a little bit playful, actually, more so than when, uh, when Kyle Busch was being booed, and now Kyle is being like embraced. And, you know, if you remember back when, when, when Carl Edwards did an appearance of, uh, I guess it was earlier this year and they were, they were like cheering Kyle Bush in the stands and Carl's like, am I in the right place? What, you know, and now <laughs> and Denny Hamlin is the bad guy. I love this. I love the way this sport changes and, and, and the fans just uh, get behind or get, you know, start, uh, get, get in front of or behind a driver that they, uh, they like or dislike. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, I look at it, Jerry. I, I don't even think Denny's done anything that bad to even be considered the bad guy of some sorts. Like, 
okay, sure, maybe he he pissed off the the fan saver driver and in, in, in Chase Elliott a few runs in run ins with him, whatever. But I mean, if we're trying to find a, a, a guy that's actually screwed up, a true villain, that might be Ross Chastain. Denny, like Denny's just a hell of a racer, as far as I'm concerned. Look, I I, I give Ross a, a lot of grief, and and real quick, you asked me about about Denny and how far he can go. I I totally predict uh, like i said i predict to win the championship but no doubt that he uh he's he's going to continue to thrive uh, over these next few races you say ross Chastain, he plays the all shucks role real real well okay all <laughs> yes. oh, shucks i didn't you know i didn't mean to do yeah you know, but he is a methodical very smart racer and and it kind of like some other past, you know, racers that get in drivers' heads, a Tony Stewart, things like that, who who they like getting in people's heads. And I don't even think Ross, uh, I I don't think he embraces. It. I just think he does it naturally and and kind of just plays off that that I'm just a watermelon farmer role, it, and it works for him. And Ross is a great guy, but that 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 is his persona to me. Yeah. So one thing that we've said on the show, at least, you know, I can't really speak for David or Tyler, but I have said it. You guys that listen every week know I've been making these Bobby Allison, Denny Hamlin comparisons. Do you agree with that sentiment, Jerry? Do you think this is like a Bobby Allison kind of thing? We're seeing Hamlin in the twilight of his career. He could win the championship. There's those striking similarities, winning the big races, but not winning the title until finally it's almost too late. I I disagree that this is the twilight of his career. He's got way too much to pay for over it at his own team to 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 be thinking about hanging up the driver's you know driver's suit anytime soon. So uh, I mean, and they're fixing to expand that you know that organization. Come on, this, he's going to be around for a little while longer. But yeah, I can see some comparisons there. But you know, Denny should have won a championship already, a couple, at least one, maybe two. Yeah, twenty ten, eight wins. Give it up in the last race of the year with the spin at Homestead. Yeah, 2010 is where my mind goes on that, certainly. Absolutely. He's uh he he is the he's definitely the 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 talk of the field right now as far as who you would watch. You know, I would not have picked Joey Logano to go out in the first round. Uh that that shocked me. Uh to uh, you know, the, the defending champ going out. No. Yeah. That, that was a big surprise, uh, for sure. Uh Jerry, uh, let, let me ask you this, uh, kind of shift gears. Uh, right behind you, I see a, uh, a flag for the uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh, you were out there uh, and, and got to see that uh, that 24 Hendrick car uh, and everything. Tell me about that experience going out there and, and, and seeing everything. Walk us through uh, your, your journey out to Europe for that. That is actually strategically placed but it's not a flag that is my photo vest or video vest that i had while i was over there i had to wear that because uh we have a video that zach katan's ready is going to be editing for us sometime before the end of the year of everything that we did or that i did at lamont and had a blast i was in the garage with with the hendrick team uh the garage 56 crew it was just really really a surreal moment i walked the entire track like eight and a half miles um, I was up the entire 24 hours tweeting, texting, you know, and sending out updates. Um, we got a lot of video content. We, I wrote several stories, but you know, it was just the, the more importantly the, I learned so much about the history uh, the history of racing, the history of Le Mans, the, the, of meeting people and some, tr- you know, 
I had breakfast at the at the little driver's cafe or pit cafe that they have there. It's like a, a two dollar breakfast. It's been a tradition for years because if you're if you stay up all night, you know you're hungry or whatever. But just little things like that. Just I stayed in Airbnbs, so I got to know people in the community uh, around the track uh, or the circuit. They don't call it a track, um, so uh, they call it a circuit. And then you know, just little things like that. Just just knowing. Uh, uh, you know, what to say, when to say it, and and just being a part of the 100th running of that, the first time NASCAR uh, had, had seriously had a, conten- a contention to, you know, finish the race. They knew going back, you know, uh, in 76 that they weren't going to, uh, they weren't going to finish the race. They pretty much knew that they weren't going to be contenders. Uh, when they went back, I think they went back uh, again, like an 84, um, you know, they ran, you know, uh, Herschel ran better. But the, the the truth is, um, this this car finished the race, and there were people that still owe me money online. By the way, <laughs> because I took all bets. I didn't care how much it was. You, I was going to cover every bet for everybody. I bet the car would finish the race. It finished the race, and there's a lot of people that hadn't paid up. Just saying. So Le Mans, uh, it's a hundred years old. They've been running that race a hundred years. Is that right? Correct, Jerry. Yeah, so uh, they took a break, obviously during the war, kind of like we did with Indy over right. here. So they have a the this is the 100th anniversary of Le Mans. It was the 75th anniversary of Porsche running in Le Mans. It was the the first time uh, for NASCAR to actually have an opportunity to to finish the race. And I believe I forget how many years it had been since NASCAR was at Le Mans in 76, do the math from, you know, 20, 2023 to 1976. But it's just, it it was very historical moment uh, for, uh, you know, for the sport, for for auto racing in general. And I wanted to be a part of it. And when Dominic can confirm this, uh, when they said they were going to race at Le Mans, I said, I'm going. Like, I made a public, you know, effort on Twitter, on all social media, I'm going to cover that race, and and I did, and I didn't care how much it cost, and it wasn't cheap, but it has been probably one of the most coolest things I've ever done. So, Jerry, when you you said you walked around the track, the Le Mans track, yeah, you, you walked the whole thing. Yeah. So, see, I landed uh, on Monday before the race the following week, the, you know, right. that following Saturday coming up. So, when I got to Paris, I drove after getting a ticket. Um, and getting stopped um, <laughs> on the freeway. I mean, by, you can say that, dude. That's yeah, awesome. I got a ticket for us for a ch- illegal lane change in France yeah. on the freeway, um, <laughs> and then uh, and, and I owe forty two dollars American for it. Just yeah, uh, yeah. Like you're ever going to pay that? No, I'm paying it because I'm going back to France because I you know that. But I'll pay it. Uh, but long story short, I got to the track and there's nothing going on. I'm going. To, I go to get my the this we were talking about this vest. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went and got my my vest so that I could do my videos and stuff, and then uh, yeah, here's the Porsche the the Porsche flag for the the seventy fifth uh, oh, for, wow. for those guys. Um, but yeah, so I went and got my vest. I went and uh, kind of learned the layout of what was where everybody was, where things were right. happening, and then I decided let's start walking. Let's see what this thing's all about. And I walked the track, and that's a long, long way. And then I left. And I went to my Airbnb, and uh, uh, I was exhausted. I took a muscle relaxer <laughs> because my <laughs> back and my feet were killing me. And 
and, and I knew that I was going to have back spasms because I'm, I'm, you know, prone to that. And I fell asleep and woke up the next day and went back to the track. And I was at the track every single day doing something, just talking to people, learning, walking around, shooting just little video clips here and there uh, of people walking around and talking to people. And then I, I went to the, the couple day or so later, I went to the press conference with Kamui Kobayashi uh, and Toyota at the NASCAR exhibit uh, where they were doing uh, a big, uh, uh, you know, had a big like building that they had rented for uh for the the nascar presence in the fan zone and it was just amazing uh you know ate crepes with uh, uh nutella and bananas and strawberries and it was wow something to like those little things like that that, that was really a cool moment this year for for me and nascar man amazing yeah I mean, we've been watching le mans i mean that's that's so historic man that's amazing you were there wow I, I loved it. I loved it. And, and this is, uh, this is going to get hung up uh, in a shadow box along with some other things that I have. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just, uh, I have one of the, the Cadillac had these little, little, uh, pins and some cars and some things that they did. I've got some, I'm working on getting some more garage 56 stuff because I wasn't in the loop on getting any of the swag from that. Right. Um, but, but they're supposed to be getting me a couple of things that I can put into a shadow box and, you know, just kind of, like, I mean, different things that I've collected through the years yeah. for, for stuff. Well, let me ask you this, Jerry. Uh, obviously, it was a big deal for Garage 56 for that team to finish the race. But what would you say were the big accomplishments for NASCAR and Hendrick Motorsports for this endeavor here? B besides just publicity for the sport, what, what did this mean for NASCAR and Hendrick to pull this off? I think it means we're going to go back. Just for the record, I think we're going to see maybe all three manufacturers make a foray into Le Mans and maybe even have some type of a class. I don't know if they would have a specific class for them, but if you'll remember during the race, they changed their classification of what where they were being, you know, racing in the field and where they were lining up. And it was very obvious that we were the dominant car in size over over everyone. But I I, I think what they learned. Uh, from a technical aspect, was with some arrow, with some downforce, a lot on the braking, uh, and things. And some uh, big kudos to Goodyear. I'm working on a. I've been working on a story on, with Goodyear about how they use that race and other races like it uh, to develop tires. And I think we have seen a lot of that uh, technology go into some of the tires we have and, and technology that we've seen in the uh, next-gen car. So there's a, there's a lot of takeaways from it um, that I think NASCAR uh, will continue to build on as we go forward. Wow. Interesting how it all works. Yeah, for sure. And with, with that said, uh, you know, of, of those manufacturers and, and, and going back and everything here, uh, Another amazing chapter, I'm sure that would be for for NASCAR to be on that stage and have a a competition within NASCAR up there. I, I would I would think that Ford and Chevrolet and Toyota would maybe even want to pull current drivers potentially if 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 they were going to do something like that. Well, look, there's there's got to be a reason why we're sitting here in mid to late September and don't have a schedule yet. Okay, I have heard a lot of different rumors of why. I don't think Lamont is part of it, 
but I think there may be some factors in, you know, of when NASCAR takes breaks and stuff like that uh, going into next year, maybe the year after. Remember, this next-gen car is designed to bring other manufacturers into the sport. And I think that what they want to do is to use this as a platform uh, to, to get eyes on NASCAR. And trust me, I streamed live the, the parade, okay? I streamed in downtown Le Mans. I streamed their parade for three hours of all the drivers of you know and all the of all the classes going through with hundreds of thousands of fans lining the street and there's a lot of people they love the american cars they loved nascar being there they loved our drivers and they love they're 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 embracing our sport and this was a big plus it didn't matter if nascar made money off this because they didn't it didn't matter if hendrick made money off this because they didn't they 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 got eyes on the sport and that pays off long term. How big of a deal was it, Jerry, for uh, the pit crew, that Hendrick Motorsports crew, to to win that pit crew challenge and to show off like they did, and and they didn't even use the technology that all the other teams did in that pit crew challenge. Go find my tweet. I, I'm telling you, Tyler. I I that was just nuts. People, they were the pit crew. Walking down pit road with a jack on their shoulder, they were heroes. Okay, they truly were heroes, and mm-hmm. and they were like they were like celebrities walking walking through a crowd, a sea of people. Everybody, our social media stuff blew up with all the fans that were there and and coming in and to to see the Garage Fifty Six crew. It was amazing. It was we we take it for granted on this side of the ocean. Over there, it was something I'd never seen before, the way that they swarmed this, the, you know, our people in the sport. Unbelievable. Uh, that's that's quite the scene uh, for sure. We're joined by Jerry Jordan uh, of Kicking the Tires here on uh, Let's Go Racing this week as uh, he's telling us about the uh, Garage 56 at Le Mans experience and uh, more here on uh, the show this week. And, and uh, Jerry, uh, you mentioned the the schedule. We're going to dive into that more coming up later. But uh, you know, there's been rumblings about more international races and more road courses. Was uh, was this you think a good test of some stuff potentially in the works in in that regard? And how not only this car can do on mo- more road courses, but taking NASCAR to an international stage like that. Absolutely. I think uh, we opened a lot of eyes. And I know that um, Jim France, uh, that's exactly what he wanted to do. I've talked to him several times. I talked to him over there and I've talked to him several times since in different, you know, short venues and, uh, you know, interactions. And he was very grateful for the people from here that went over there. And, and, and because he wanted to, he wanted to showcase NASCAR and he got his wish. And that, you know, that's the ultimate goal is to bring our bring new fans into the sport. And that is an untapped market for stock car racing. You know, we have the NASCAR Euro Series and, uh, you know, different people have have gone over there. Myatt Snyder and and, and others. And I think uh, 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 Vargas is going to go over there and and run a run a race. Uh, But for us to go bring our cars over there and do that. And, and put on an, either an exhibition or or even a real race at some point, I think that's the ultimate goal, and I think that would be a, an amazing feat for NASCAR to do and get a lot of attention no matter where we race at, whether it's in a stadium like Wembley or it's on a street course 
or even maybe uh, you know Nurburgring or some ro- some major racetrack that they have over there. Well, you make you talk this experience up. You get me excited to go over there someday to go check this out. So, what would you say? What advice would you give fans that may want to go make this trek next year? Assuming NASCAR is going to have a bigger hand in it or some sort of presence, what would be the recommendations? You've done the logistics. You've done the traveling. How what, how do you do it right? As so, I, well, I I am cheap, but I still spent ten grand. <laughs> <laughs> but four thousand of that was for video stuff. But uh, but you know, I it's going to cost money, but you know, uh, for the for the for the fan who can afford to do it, if you know, if and when we go back, and I I, I say if when we go back, whether it's this year, next year, or whatever, uh, when we go back, if you want an experience, the 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 European people, the French specifically, and but I met people from all over. I met people from Austria. I met people people from London, uh, and I hung out with a lot of different race fans of all genres, and some of them were like. You know, we don't want NASCAR, but they listened to the car and they're like, oh, that car sounds really cool, but <laughs> that's not what we're used to. Uh, but yeah, the, the it was, I would say, save your money and definitely try to go uh, wherever it's at. Um, you know, this is going to be historic, whatever you, wherever it's at, whenever we do it. You got me even more excited to do this, guys. Sounds like the that's, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. <laughs> That's that's what NASCAR. That's what Jim France wanted to do is to get people excited. He got me excited, and I've been in this sport for twenty twenty two years now, twenty three years. So, man, Jerry, it's interesting to hear you speak about all of it, and uh, it's cool that Jim. You talked to Jim there. I mean, Jim is man. He's NASCAR. He's our he's our president. He's the owner, and uh, it's cool that you had some one on one time with him there. Man, it means a lot, and. Uh, you know, you're getting a firsthand, you know, kind of understanding the direction, future of our sport. It's uh, very interesting to hear you speak about all this. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I talked to him. I've talked to uh, uh, Mr. Hendrick. I talked to, to Jimmy Johnson. I got to interview a lot of different people. Mike Helton was over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, OD was over there. It was funny because I was shooting photos across the track from uh, – from where the NASCAR suite was. And I texted OD and I said, if you guys will look up, I'll take your photo. And, <laughs> and he starts looking down at his phone. And he starts looking around. And then he, O'Donnell? Yeah. O- O'Donnell. Steve O'Donnell. So, <laughs> so they, uh, they looked at him and, and, uh, and a couple others, uh, uh, they looked up and they, 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 I took a photo of them and, and sent it to them. But yeah, it's just that type of stuff. It was just really cool. The, the, the way NASCAR made people feel welcome and and really embraced all the fans that were over there wanting to to be involved amazing no doubt uh one, one more question then we'll move on to our news and notes for this week uh jerry let me ask you this uh here we are we're 20 years into the playoffs since it was first incorporated as the chase and the sport has changed a whole lot since and now, as I think about the future and, you know, with, with Ben Kennedy and all his ideas involved, and uh, we mentioned just this, the the international potential expansion and where we're at with the next-gen car and everything. If you were to take a glimpse into the future with everything we've talked about, what do you think the sport of NASCAR looks like even just 10 years from now? I think we have a series. Of, you know, I wrote about this last summer and it got delayed. Um, and that was the the EV series. I don't think we were quite prepared. We weren't prepared for where we're 
supposed to be with the next gen car as it is. We're supposed to have more electric components to the engine and some things that we and you know new engine package and things that we haven't done yet. But I wrote the the EV story last year um, at, because of the notes that NASCAR had sent out to the teams, and they were supposed to de debut that at Chicago. Uh, was what I was told. Well, that got scrapped uh, because we weren't technologically we weren't ready the fan base maybe I'm, I'm not sure all of the reasons nascar was very tight-lipped on on a lot of it but i think we have some type of an ev second it'll never be the cup series it'll just for anybody watching it's never going to replace the cup series it's going to be a support series like the trucks and arca and 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 xfinity and and, and i i look at those other series and i'm like look the trucks put on a heck of a show uh, the Xfinity series is a series that we can, you know, build drivers up to get them to cup. And that's exactly what it's been doing. Um, and so where do we put something like that? We put something like that, uh, you know, around the ARCA level. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a hybrid SUV style body car because just the battery technology and things of that nature that they'd have to do is from my understanding. And all of that was in production, you know, some of that, I uh, say all of it, some of it's being produced overseas and in places like Austria and different, different facilities, some of it in Indianapolis. Um, but then we see the cup cars and I see, I, we definitely see more of that hybridization uh, for recouping energy from brake packages and things that they were originally trying to, to do when they first announced uh, the next-gen car. I think we, we continue to see advancements, uh, but it's got to be OEM-driven because, look, the OEMs don't want to invest money in something that is going to be old technology or obsolete technology or not embraced by the public. EVs are not, a hundred, you know, they're not heavily embraced by the by the public. I think like three to three to six percent of the people uh, support EVs overall. Uh, and even less in as far as race fans go, it's that number's microscopic compared to that. But we don't have the infrastructure as a country to have it, you know, for for manufacturers and OEMs to put all this stuff in place by 2035, where there's a lot of edicts and law. The federal laws has mandated it, so those are probably going to get pushed back. That's going to affect racing because NASCAR thrives off of what the OEMs do, and and they're going to want to shift their cars through the next few years on what's going to be best for you know for their business model and what they're going to sell on monday because you know what what wins on sunday uh, sells on monday oh absolutely wow. i think you were on the show last year too telling us too jerry I, correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure it was you on our show about how the manufacturers will continue to use nascar even to this day it may not seem like it but they'll use NASCAR kind of as a sandbox or a playground to try things on the racetrack that they could try on the street eventually, i.e. like the, the one lug nut instead of the five. That might be something we might see on a street vehicle down the road. Very possible. And, you know, uh, see, a lot of the safety stuff we see in racing gets put into the passenger car, uh, you know, seatbelt restraint systems and things of that nature. Uh, so, you know, we've uh, the, the different types of, uh, uh, of, of components to crush panels and crush zones, things like that are what we need in a passenger car to save lives, but we need it in a race car for when you have a, you know, a wreck like either Blaney's going head on into the wall or Priest's flipping over 11 times. Yeah. How about that? Uh, very fascinating stuff there. Very uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Jerry Jordan joining us uh, here on Let's Go Racing this week. Uh, guys, we'll uh, shift gears and move on to our news and notes segment with the top headlines around the sport. 
Dominic Argon standing by to catch us up to speed. Dominic, uh, let's start with the uh, very sad and unfortunate news about the passing of Sherry Pollock. Sherry Pollock, the longtime girlfriend of Martin Truex Jr., passed away at the age of 44 on Sunday, succumbed to her battle with ovarian cancer. Pollock was a fixture in the NASCAR community, being the longtime girlfriend of Martin Truex since the mid-2000s. Often seen at the racetrack, and, and and Jerry can attest to this. Seeing her at the White House when Truex was honored as champion, and just a, a notable presence in the garage area. Definitely a notable, significant other of a driver, and her efforts, her philanthropic efforts with with cancer and, and especially children suffering from cancer. Something that she took near and dear to her heart. She was first diagnosed in 2014, and the cancer unfortunately came back, but. Tyler, her legacy will live on, I think, with the time that she did get to spend on this earth was time well spent in, in furthering the efforts of cancer and cancer research and, and, and the Martin Truex Foundation with the Catwalk for Cure. So many good things. Unfortunate circumstances surrounding Sherry over the last nine years, but so much good that came out of it as well. She was 44. Yeah. David, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, what's what was your reaction to the news of passing of uh, Sherry Pollock? Man, just sad, just a sad, uh, sad to get that news. Uh, you know, just a beautiful person, uh, beautiful girl. Uh, you know, we all known her as Martin Truex's girlfriend, but uh, you know, she was just uh, I don't know. I mean, you just seen her every week at the racetrack, and uh, you know, just a sweetheart. And then when you found out she had ovarian cancer and that fight and that that uh you know that determined to beat it uh you know and then you know uh she kind of took us along on the ride with her you know what I mean and she changed people's lives she made it different in people's lives and uh you know the charities she was involved in the the the, the money they raised for research for ovarian cancer and uh man just you know on and on and on I mean just a, a beautiful angel you know uh you know, you're just sad because, man, she she had a – you're just sad because she did so much for so many people in, re, in the cancer research. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just it's – uh, it's hard. It's just hard to um, – it's hard because she's one of us. You know what I mean? I've just seen her every week and, and uh, talked to her several times. She was just – I don't know. It's just – Man, it's like losing a fan. We're, I mean, we're all family. We travel together. We race together. I mean, our our racing community is small, you know. And uh, anyway, just I don't know, man. Just sadness, really sadness. Uh, but you know, through an unfortunate situation uh, with the with cancer, cancer sucks. She embraced it uh, to the fullest, and it inspired a lot of people, and it helped, and and. And I mean, just the, her legacy, like Dominic was saying, will live for years and years. Uh, and, you know, I can only imagine the people she affected, you know, and, and, and um, you know, there'll be stories and stories and and we'll hear a lot about Sherry moving forward. But uh, just I just sad, man. It's just, you know, any 44 years old. I mean, you know, it's like. You know, there's a lot of bad people in the world. Why her? You know what I mean? Cancer sucks. It affects 
you know, all of us, some shape, form, or how. I mean, we all had to, you know, with a family member, a mother, a dad, a brother, uncle, you know, it's just, it just sucks, man. It just, it just, I was just sad. Jerry, uh, how are you going to remember uh, Sherry Pollock? Well, I've been lucky enough through the years to, to get to know her a little bit um, and kind of on a, a little bit of a personal level because, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, my wife actually had ovarian cancer six years ago. Uh, when I started the playoff pursuit, when, uh, when I was doing going the final 10 races, uh, camping with the fans and stuff, I know Dominic remembers that. And I went, I, I drove from track to track to track camping, uh, you know, for the last 10 races, the first race, like, okay, so between Chicago and New Hampshire, my wife was scheduled for surgery, uh, you know, cause she had a variant, she had a huge tumor. Uh, and I flew, I drove and parked my, my, uh, camper and my truck and everything, uh, in an impound yard in Boston and flew back to Texas to be there for her surgery. Uh, and stayed with her for several days and then got back on the road because we had just signed sponsorship deals for the first ever, you know, uh, you know, uh, playoff pursuit back then. And then, you know, chasing the chase and everything that we we changed names a couple you know, when they changed the format. But uh, but yeah, my wife got to know her. So they got to talk and people don't realize that Sherry met a lot of people either in person or online that they'll never know. There's thousands of women that she that, that she touched their lives and helped them get through some very very dark days in their own lives because of her positive attitude and and always having a smile and uh, you know and and I will always be grateful uh, for sharing for for sharing things uh, and and the the text and things that you know she had with my wife and and what she said to me uh, you know because I had to go through my wife having ovarian cancer and and my wife's six years you know for cancer free thank god and uh and we were just talking about this the other day because you know this is a time in the playoffs when when that actually was all going on back then and and i i made sure uh you know i haven't done a lot of things right as a husband in my in in, in my marriage okay i'm not perfect i'm always on the road but i made sure that i came back because i knew how severe it was and i didn't i i knew i couldn't do anything for it but by god i wanted to be there for my wife because i i loved her dearly and and that was uh that, that's something that I will always remember that Sherry was, was so, you know, supportive checking, Hey, how's, how, how's Rita doing? How are you doing? How's your wife? You know? And that's what I'll remember uh, about Sherry Pollock. Uh I only had one interaction with, uh, with Sherry personally. Uh, it was uh, after a race that Martin won. Uh, I think it was at Kansas. And uh, I saw uh, her and Martin, take a selfie together after he won the race. And I took a picture of them taking the selfie and uh, showed Sherry afterwards. And she was laughing about it and shared it on social media, but was very kind, very friendly. And uh, just could tell just in my one interaction with her, how, how warm of a nice person that, uh, that she was. And uh, I mean, just an incredible impact and all the stories, you know, Dominic, we hear a lot about the, the catwalk and, all the money that raised with the Martin Drix Foundation over the years. Uh, I mean, uh, Sherry Pollock's, uh, her legacy and her impact certainly felt. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's really refreshing to see a lot of the stuff I've seen on social media this week about all the support and all the, the stories that are coming. I'm sure those stories are going to continue to come out just of how 
wonderful of a person she was and the interactions and all these people's lives that she touched. Really, really cool to see. And 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 I think Jeff Gluck, a friend of the show and, and writer at Athletic or The Athletic, wrote a really good column piece. I want to plug his piece. He 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 gave great insight just to really how truly impactful she was, is, and will continue to be in the sport. Yeah, no question. No question about it. Uh, Dominic, what else we got going on? Racing news ahead of the, the NASCAR Cup Series weekend in Texas. So we know some more dominoes falling in the silly season parts of 2023 and 2024. Zane Smith, originally a Chip Ganassi racing driver that was supposed to drive the one car in 2021, comes full circle with a contract with Trackhouse Racing. But there's a little bit more to that story, Tyler. Zane Smith will be competing full-time in the Cup Series in 2024 with a chartered ride at Spire Motorsports. Spire Motorsports has acquired a third charter, the, the sale of Live Fast Motorsports charter for $40 million, the highest yet for a charter to go for. The team has three. Zane Smith is on loan to Spire Motorsports from Trackhouse Racing, similar to what Chris Busher had with JTG Doherty Racing for several years. Zane Smith... We'll be racing on Sundays come 2024. Can, can, I, uh, interrupt, can I interrupt here? Are absolutely. We, are we sure about the, I, I know we're the, are we sure about the 40 million? Yes. Okay. Unless, unless it's more. Like it, it's because, 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 no, I'm, I'm saying that, I mean, even Brad at Media Day said 30. Uh, and, you know, if you, I just, I, find it difficult to believe that it, it hit $40 million so quickly because Denny just bought his a few years ago for 16. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that, that talk a lot of noise about different stuff, but you know, where I, 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 I don't know why it would go that high that quick. I'm not saying it, it didn't, but I, I'm, I'm curious. I'd love to know if that's true or if that's pontification or uh, puffery. Right. I mean, I, I would, I would argue, Jerry, the demand is higher than it's ever been. Um, you know, back when you were talking of the previous sales, you know, there were, uh, you know, multiple charters being sold per year. Now we're down to, you know, everyone clawing on the one they can get. So I, I would say that's probably the big difference now comparatively to then. But Jerry, a lot to unpack uh, on this. Uh, for one, you mentioned the asking price. You know, obviously that's a big deal of charters going up. But then, you know, you have Zane Smith, who was Ford's top prospect, going to a Chevy team. And then not to mention, you know, it's he's a track house driver. But Spire buys the charter. Why didn't Trackhouse buy the charter? And, you know, it, the partnership side of it, is it going to be prepared by Trackhouse? Is it just that one car? Or is Trackhouse going to be running everything for Spire? I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's a lot more to this story that I, 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 I want to know. And, uh, and look, I'm going to be flat out honest. I was trying to put together a, a buying group. I have a, an investor in Houston that that would have spent $5.1 million on a charter back when Furniture Row was selling their charter, the one that Spire bought for roughly $5.6 million. Bucks. And, uh, and that was just a few years ago. Guys, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about exponentially. And if, we're all, if we continue on this path, you're talking – the next charter could go for seventy-five million 
or $100 million. And I think that's what NASCAR wanted. They wanted a, a value for team owners and things to get. But is it really worth that? Look at the look at the TV package. Look at the the sponsorship package. And, and David, you're a driver, and and, a, and on, you've been an owner even. I think you know in some aspects, is that money there in the sport to support a forty million dollar charter or more? Well, I mean, you 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 know you you know that's a great question, and I don't have the that's a great question. I don't have the answer for it, but. You know, you look at Dale Earnhardt Jr. and what they've done on the Xfinity side. I mean, championships after championship, winning races. And you think of Earnhardt Jr. and Junior Motorsports, you know, we we kind of been watching them. Uh, I know there's a lot of interest in, in having a cup team. But, you know, and, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong. I, I thought I read something maybe a couple months ago that Junior just said right now the the – the business side of it doesn't make sense for them to jump in. You know what I mean? And that just tells me from a business standpoint of making the business work, you know, uh, you know, it, you know, is it, is there enough sponsorship? Do they have enough sponsorship? I mean, they got great sponsorships on the Xfinity side, great partners, uh, winning races. And then you hear them talk about, you know, the business side of it doesn't really work for them for now. It's kind of interesting, you know what I mean? Because where is uh, – and, Jerry, I, I really agree with you, Jerry. I mean, I mean, you know, 40 million, 60 million, 50 million, you get to a point where it's like – I mean, it's like, you know, you almost price a lot of people out of the out of the industry, you know what I mean, the new people to come in. Uh, you know, I, I it, it'd be interesting. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever know the true facts about it, uh, but – you know, how can it go from 16, 17, 18, maybe 20 million to, to, to double that now? You know what I mean? So uh, it's interesting. And, and uh, you know, it's just it's interesting, uh, you know, how it all works. And, and I don't know, man, it gets just like I said, it just gets to the point where it's like, man, how long will it take you as a team owner? or your group of investors or, you know, all the people involved to, you know, how, how many years it's going to take to, to that investment. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure there's bigger and better investments out there. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to me. And what is that true number? You know what I'm saying, Jerry, they're saying 40 million, but man, is, is that, is it's hard to, hard to imagine that somebody would pay that kind of money for one charter. I mean, you think about it. With no along interest. Lines, along those lines of the 40 million, let's say it is 40. Are are Matt Tift and uh BJ McLeod each pocketing 20 million dollars now? Like are, are they you know just going off in the sunset and living off 20 million? I mean, is that really what's happening here? I'm gonna call Matt and find out, but that's, that's a whole <laughs> yeah. different that's a whole different but look at if you financed it for 20 years, you're still paying $2 million a year with no interest, with no interest if you finance it. And I'm, I don't think Spire just stroked a check for $40 million, okay? No, I, no, no, no. And I know that when BK Racing, when they had their charter, and they got their charter for original, you know, with the original groups, I think it's a million bucks or whatever NASCAR did, they got a bank loan for it for three or five million bucks, okay? They got a loan for collateral against the charter. Uh, and then they went bankrupt. Um, but that's, a, you know, 
I'm just looking at the business model if it, it can be supported based on a current TV contract that we have, uh, even based on a future TV contract. Uh, you know, we we hear these cars get you know twenty seven to thirty five million dollars. So, Jerry, what I would counter is that you look at the F1 side. Take example, a guy like Michael Andretti. He's been trying for almost two years now to get into F1. And, you know, they have an entry fee that, you know, is excess of hundreds of millions of dollars. And they seem to be doing okay. And some of the F1 owners don't even want Michael Andretti's money. So can can NASCAR get to that point where ownership's in demand like that F1 side of things? I mean, maybe, but you've got to look at some of the the aspects of the sponsorship model in in F one and the companies that are involved. Uh, you know, when you talk about F one, there was a recent study by PZ, and and this is a marketing firm, and they took the valuation of the companies that sponsor the F one teams, uh, the, some of the top ten F one teams out there. Like, uh, and Aston Martin is sponsored by uh, Saudi Aramco, which is a, an oil company in Saudi in in, in Saudi Arabia. It's got an eight trillion dollar valuation. Okay, that's a market cap of eight trillion dollars. So they're the primary sponsor of the Aston Martin team. So that puts Aston Martin as the highest sponsor valued team uh, in F1. But then you look at Haas uh, and that team only has a billion dollar valuation. And a lot of that is based on on Gene Haas's valuation as far as uh, as far as being the team owner with his Haas automation cars. So, you know, when you start looking at this, I don't know what the true answer is. I just know that. It takes a lot of money to do what we're talking about. And it, just to give you an idea, in, in this study, um, Ferrari is worth, three. you know, their sponsorship valuation is $334 billion based on the company Ferrari and the other the other sponsors that affiliate with Ferrari to put that car on the track. Uh, but when you get down to Alfa Romeo, they're $40 billion. What do we have in NASCAR that are equivalent sponsorship other than like Shell Oil, Pennzoil, things like that? What are these companies and their valuations that are sponsoring these teams and putting our cars on the track versus what F1 is when you're talking about the business model? Right. I mean, I, I guess you got Haas out there, you know, with Stuart Haas Racing. But, yeah, that's nothing very much compared uh, as far as that goes. The same yeah, they're, they're the lowest. Thing. Go go ahead, Jerry. I said the yeah, Haas is the lowest in F1 as far as valuation. Right. Now, so. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, the Zane Smith part of the equation here, um, obviously a tremendous talent. He was desired by a lot of teams, and he ends up in the track house family, but with Spire. Um, also, you have SVG uh, coming in on a development contract as well. What is the end game, you think, for these guys with, with both Zane Smith and SVG and currently two charters there? How does track house make this all work? I don't know, but I guess it pays a lot more money to race as a development driver in America than a top flight driver in New Zealand. I, that's the only reason why <laughs> I can think that, that Shane Van Gismergen is coming over here because he's getting a bigger check. Okay. As far as Zane, we knew that was coming. We've known for, for a while that something was happening with him and that he wasn't coming back, uh, you know, to, to where he was at. And uh, it, it, it's a good move for him. Uh, it's a good move for Shane. Uh, as far as the long-term aspect of uh, 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 of Trackhouse, I mean, do they lose Daniel Suarez at some point? Do they lose? You know, War Ross Chastain is a has has been rumored to be uh, on in sights for Rick Hendrick uh, at some point through the years. Uh, you know, 
even though he got into a you know a couple of scuffles with Hendricks drivers, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. But you know, you got to think these teams have to start planning for the long term future, and and they need development drivers uh, in their in their pipeline. And they they didn't have that, and now they do. And, and David, you you look at what what Trackhouse has done. You know, they uh, they already do the pit crews uh, for college racing. Now you have this partnership with Spire. You got the development drivers. Trackhouse, no pun intended, is expanding the house right before our eyes right now in real time. Yeah, they are. And I, I, I just listened to Jerry speak. You know, it's, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, I think we're going to see more and more of this happen. They're just, you know, the they're they're just preparing for the future, you know. And, and uh, man, Zane Smith, just so talented as a race car driver. It's interesting that Ford didn't place him as a development driver somewhere with the Ford team. I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it, 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 that doesn't add up to me. But, man, Trackhouse, uh, Justin Marks, they, they've they done a tremendous job and, and uh, you know, in placing him with Spire, you know, just to uh, as development driver because, I mean, to place him as a development driver, you know his future is going to be big in the sports, going to be big with Trackhouse. So, you know, what does that look like the following season and the following season? You know, there's there's a there's a there's a there's a business plan, a a, a, a long term five year three year plan that's in place now, and you know Zane Smith's going to be part of it for a while. You know, so it's kind of interesting to see it all how 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 the teams are strategically placing these development drivers and, and kind of teaming up with these other teams, you know, because they don't have track house doesn't have three charters. They have two, you know? So uh, it's just, it's interesting uh, how, how it's playing out in front of us. Well, and then Dominic, uh, you look at the Stuart Austin equation of all this. I think a lot of people had assumed that Eric Alvarola would be retiring and Zane Smith would step into the 10 car. And we've heard rumors that, about them potentially selling one, you know, a couple of their charters. They've uh, downplayed that. But what does Stuart Haas Racing now do? Because that seemed like a natural fit. Ford family, their top driver, looking for somebody to replace Almirola, um, and they lose out on him. Maybe Almirola's not retired after all. What the hell is going on with Stuart Haas Racing? Great questions. Those are now the big, I think, in my opinion, the biggest pieces of this silly season puzzle. That 10 cars, Almirola back. Is he pulling a Brett Favre and coming back for another year? Are we going to see him actually retire once and for all? I figure if Smithfield's there and they want to continue to be part of the team, that's probably what's going to happen. Smithfield's happy with Almirola. Almirola stays with the team and maybe not. What do you think? Jerry wants to say something. Yeah, I I can tell. What what, what, what do we think of Jerry? (laughs) My my head is bouncing around like Joey Logano's bobblehead back here. Uh, (laughs) And and look, I'm predicting right now – Eric Almirola is not going anywhere. Okay. We've heard, we've heard he's going to retire last year. He's going to retire and he came back. Uh, there was some shakeup at Smithfield. Um, I don't think Almirola leaves this year. I just don't think it happens. I, I, I may have a little bit hint of an insight on something to it. Uh, there's a lot, there are some dominoes that have to fall right for him to stay, but I, I don't think he's out of that car yet. That's just my gut feeling. Uh, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, and I'll admit it. Uh, but but I don't think he's out of that car next year. Real quick before we move on, Jerry, how much of it has to do with Smithfield? Um, well, he that's their primary sponsor, and they love him. 
Uh, but they may be tired of racing because Smithfield is a Chinese-owned company now, and there's a lot of animosity between America and China and, and you know American motorsports specifically and things of that nature. I don't know how big that factor is, but you gotta you got to look at the fact that Smithfield was bought out by a Chinese conglomerate several years ago. Hmm. Oh. Uh, China and America uh, at odds, big, if true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dominic, we still got more headlines to get to. We still got way more to get to, including the 2024 schedule. What's going on with this? It's September. You guys might recall in 2019, we had the 2020 schedule in March of 19. So I guess I hated that. I hated that. Uh, I'm sure, but I'm sure it's nice for travel to get the logistics, get it 30 minutes before, try to get everything booked, right? That's your best time to try and get your, your schedules for next year. But the 2024 schedule, so many variables, Tyler, but there are some new things potentially in the works, including the Texas Motor Speedway having a race moved from the fall to the spring, just having one date. Road America is off the schedule completely is what it sounded like. Not even an Xfinity series stop with that series. And we know that the LA Coliseum will be back on the schedule for a third consecutive year. That race is scheduled to kick off the season opener on February 4th, Sunday, exhibition race with the NASCAR Mexico series making a stop as well. Yes, and uh, there was speculation about that being a replacement race for the uh Auto club race that won't be on the schedule next year, but that won't happen. It will remain exhibition race before the Daytona 500. Uh, Jerry, uh, from the dots you've connected and everything here, what's uh, what's going on with the schedule here? I'm not going to tell you the dates. Well, I mean, maybe. Uh, but I have, <laughs> I have hotel reservations in uh, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Vacaville, California. This is in order of schedule. Um, just to give you an idea, Austin, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, um, Rockingham, uh, Manchester, uh, Canada, and, uh, and then uh, Chicago, I'm sorry, uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, Chicago, and then uh, Montreal. Those are those are the hotels I've already booked uh, for, for next year. Now, granted, I can cancel them, and that was in order of how they would run uh, if, if, if big, if true uh, in my schedule breakout. No, 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 wait, go back. What was that one California city you mentioned? Vacaville. That's North of Sonoma. Oh, okay. So Sonoma, like in March, basically. Okay. I honestly have not heard of Vacaville. I thought I was onto something there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sonoma moving from the summer to March. Um, uh, you know, is, is a possibility. Uh, Texas moving out of the playoffs to uh, to the fall, I mean, to the spring uh, is a possibility. And I predict that is because I can't get them to talk to me. They want to, I, I begged them. They're like, we're waiting for NASCAR to release a schedule. Uh, we can't say anything, but I mean, you can check hotel rooms. You can check with uh, chambers of commerce, things of that nature. People hear what's going on uh, when negotiations like these are happening with tracks uh, for NASCAR races. And I'm hearing that Texas is going to be in the spring. And it's so that if they decide to change the track, because they would have to make some big changes to Texas Motor Speedway if they do it, that will give them a full year plus to come back onto the schedule for 2025 uh, for whatever they would want to do to Texas Motor Speedway. So 
David, uh, not to uh, try to get you in trouble and, and say anything you're not, because we know you do have <laughs> connections to the Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, but uh, with all things considered, we've heard the rumblings about this potential move to the spring, maybe a doubleheader with IndyCar here, um, also not being too far apart from the uh, race in Austin as well here. That potentially could be a special time for NASCAR within the state of Texas there in the spring. Uh, I'd say NASCAR motorsports in general in the state of Texas could be uh, really awesome there for uh, that stretch in the spring. No doubt about it. Back-to-back races in the, in the same state be pretty awesome. You know, um, I, I, you know, I, I kind of asked the question, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. Here we are, September, almost into October, and the schedule hadn't been released. That just tells me that, you know, uh, uh, there's some big changes coming. And uh, I think Jerry Jerry mentioned a lot of them, but, you know, they don't have it all worked out yet. But I, uh, I think since it is coming out so late, it's so exciting to everybody, you know what I mean? Because you know that they're just strategic. You know, it, it's, it's not easy, but there's some changing, some exciting changing coming on. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I guess I asked the question, when do y'all think it will be released? I mean, soon, the next couple of weeks, or are we a month away? I mean, when are they going to release it at the, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. That's it. It's this late. What's, what are y'all, what's y'all's opinion? Jerry, well, what's your opinion? You know, I think they're going to release it after Jerry releases it. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. But uh, I can tell you this. I, I, I'm I'm hoping that I get just as Dominic said a 30 minute heads up uh, right. to round to round out my travel, but I think we saw a a, a forced hand on the LA race. Um, I'm not so sure we were going back to LA, but I think they had to let California uh, and, and the city of Los Angeles and 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 the and the school, the college over there, know whether or not we were going to race because I think they originally wanted to take it overseas and do it uh, maybe in London. Or, or somewhere on a on a much more international scale. I have been told by some of my NASCAR sources that this isn't a local state uh, issue for government, but a, a national and international issue in some of the negotiations that are that have been going on. Um, so I'm curious to see how how all of that plays plays out at, when the schedule is released. Um, I believe we're going to Canada. I don't believe we're going to Mexico next year. Um, I still believe we, in, in some form or fashion, will will make some sort of a, a foray overseas again, whether it be Garage 56 type stuff at Le Mans, or whether it be an exhibition race, um, or, or you know, like they went to, you know, they brought the 56 car, the Garage 56 car, they brought it to to Goodwood and some other things uh, and different uh, Bathurst, I think, different things that they they brought it around uh, to do to get more eyes on it. I think that's part of NASCAR's focus is to see where they can get the most attention for the sport. Um, but yeah, there's a, uh, there's talk of a Texas double header from what I was told, um, you know, a state as big as Texas can pull that off. You know, we can have a Texas shootout, uh, between, you know, Texas motor speedway and circuit of the Americas where we're in, you know, we're in Austin one week and Dallas the next or vice versa. And, uh, and, and still get a hell of a crowd in the grandstands at both races. In fact, maybe even help out both races with the cross promotion and, uh, being the same ownership group and, uh, you know, Coda's pretty much run by the staff at Texas Motor Speedway anyway. So uh, a lot of corporate synergy there. 
Dominic, one more thing on the schedule real quick. Uh, what we do know for sure, Bristol is not bringing back the dirt race. Uh, we are going back to the concrete for the spring race. And I think if you ask most people, that's a welcome change. I think so. The dirt race ran its course, I think, from the general consensus of NASCAR fans. And, and it seemed like there was mixed reaction from the drivers. But the dirt race, NASCAR Cup at Bristol, the Easter tradition was a tradition that really never really got started. Yeah, never took off. Um, David, uh, would you rule out the Cup Series returning to dirt in the future? No, I wouldn't rule it out. You know, I'd like to see them go to a a, a real dirt track, you know, like Eldor, Tony Stewart's dirt track, or a, a, a dirt track that is a dirt track, you know what I mean? Right. You know, and not not converting one of our, uh, one of our NASCAR – asphalt concrete racetracks into a dirt track but uh but i don't think it, you can rule that out you, you know we we probably won't see a dirt race on the schedule uh, in 2024 but uh you know I, i'd be surprised if we didn't see one back on the schedule for the following year really i think uh 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 you know you know like like dominic just said i don't think uh it took off like like people expected it to but i think um that the future is uh, there's at least one dirt track race for the cup side in the future. You know what I mean? Per year. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think it needs to be researched more and needs more testing and development. It can be done, but there's got to be more effort put into it uh, and pulled off. Right. And I think you're absolutely right, David, the idea of putting it on an actual dirt track. Uh, Dominic, uh, I believe next we're looking ahead to the weekend. Yeah, you are correct. The Texas NASCAR doubleheader, the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. You have the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400 this weekend for the Cup Series. It's points race. It's first and only stop for Texas Motor Speedway on the Cup Series schedule. Did my homework. I actually have our odds printed out this week, courtesy of our friends at Route 66 Casino. Your odds on favorites for the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400 include Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson opening odds at 5-1. to one. Martin Truex and William Barron at 6-1. to one. Last year's winner, Tyler Reddick at eight to one, and Christopher Bell rounding out the 10 or greater odds at 10 to one. Brad Kozowski at 14 to one, last year's pole sitter. Chris Buescher on his hot streak at 16 to one. The highest non playoff driver, Chase Elliott at 18 to one. And the lowest odds of any driver that made the 2023 playoffs. That would be Michael McDowell and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. coming in at 100 to one to win the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400. Wow. 18 to one on, on, uh, Elliot is not a bad bet. That is a, that's a good bet. I would think the, so. odds, the, the odds are, the odds are, I break down bets on based on the odds of driver performance, things of that nature. That is, uh, that's a good, that's a good, uh, I would call that a, 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 a mid-level, uh, payoff bet. What about Harvick and Logano? They're both sitting at 30 to one, Alex Bowman at 40 to one. Long shot. Yeah, I, I picked yeah, long shot odds because I've I've picked both of those drivers to win a couple times this year. They just have not had the speed. Kevin will tell you straight up he hadn't had the speed. And Logano uh has not had the speed consistently. And and something's missing over there at Penske. Uh it's obvious that the folks at RFK have learned something and they are not sharing. And and it's very noticeable <laughs> that the the you know Look, Penske didn't share with with uh, with when it was Roush and 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 the you know, Roushes and the the RFK guys are kind of giving them a little bit payback right now, and I think they're enjoying <laughs> being the dominant Ford yeah. uh, in the garage. I think so. 
Um, you know, we were talking a lot about Denny earlier and, and the momentum that he's got right now. Dom, is he who you're rolling with this week? Is that you think he keeps it up and goes two in a row? Yeah, you know what? I think Denny Hamlin picks up win number 52. I was right last week. I think Denny Hamlin gets it done again. I, I feel like we've had this theme where we all pick our same guy every week and our same guy throughout the season. Hamlin's been my guy, and I think Denny's going to get win number four this weekend at Texas. Punch that round of eight tickets. I think Denny's a great pick. Uh, I'll, I'll take his biggest challenger uh, for the championship, William Byron, who's been good everywhere this year. Uh, I'm watching out for William Byron to get the job done this weekend. Uh, David, how about you? Well, I'll, I'll take Cal Larson, you know what I mean, because he's shown a lot of speed. They just kind of clean up some of those mistakes, and he's been fast week in and week out. Uh, you know, it's uh, one thing about it, it's going to be uh, exciting and, uh, you know, uh, and, 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 and kind of cool to hear what Jerry's going to – who he thinks. But, man, it's – it's uh, we don't know who's going to win. It can be any of these guys we're talking about, but it, it's definitely going to be exciting. So uh, looking forward to it. Is it my turn? Yes, yes it sir. is. All yeah. right. So I've got a couple of takes on this. Uh, one, number one, we got to think about this being Texas Motor Speedway. This is actually going to be the first time that we've really seen these cars, this particular car in action in full speed, not on all-star race at Texas Motor Speedway. You know, this is the, this is their first real showing of the of the of this generation of car Texas Motor Speedway, if you think about it, because the last time they 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 didn't they haven't got to put on a real show. And Texas Motor Speedway has been very adamant about that. Uh, but there's a there's a team that has learned a lot through the years at Texas Motor Speedway that's been around this sport for a long time. And there's a driver that uh, used to race for a different manufacturer who's had some success there. And that driver is Kyle Busch, and that's who I'm picking this weekend to win at Texas Motor Speedway. That RCR team has uh, has been consistent there through the years lately. And those are fourteen to one odds, Jerry. At I'll, and I'll bet it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Great stuff there. Uh, our final segment, our Ask David segment. We ask you some questions for David and our guests each and every week. Uh, Facebook.com slash Star Podcast X at Star Podcast. That still sounds weird to say. Uh, and then email davidstarpodcast at gmail.com is where you can uh, send uh, emails to us there. First question in the inbox uh, for everybody. Uh, we'll start out with Jerry on this. Steve wants to know, who is on your Mount Rushmore of not NASCAR, but overall racing? Overall racing? Oh, well, I mean, man, Nikki Lotta? Okay, you know, I mean, if you're gonna like go overall racing, yes, overall you know, uh, motorsports, yes, Nick, yeah, Nicky yeah, Lauda. Nicky Lauda. Well, your Mount Rushmore in, consists of four people. Okay, uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. Okay, that's two. Um, Richard Petty, you'd have to put him. Okay, uh, and, and you know, Dan, I put I put two. Uh, I put two NASCAR drivers on there, but you know Mario Andretti would be uh, would be the other one. But you know, but that that's that's those are mine. And David saying no, no, but those... you can't be from Texas, dude. You can't be from Texas, man. I I, I, I hate yeah. I I, I am I am. But I, I knew I was gonna catch hell. Or hell. Go ahead and 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 and, and shoot me down, David. <laughs> well, you hey AJ Foyt. 
No doubt. I know. AJ Foy, Dale our senior, Richard Petty, uh, uh, you know, man. Jay, one more. Yeah, man, you know, it's tough, you know. Uh, you know, it's tough because you got Mario Andretti, you got David Pearson, you got Jeff Gordon, you know what I mean? It's like, man, Jimmy Johnson, you know, I mean, golly, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> you know, you – you uh, you're gonna have to sneak Jimmy Johnson in there. What he's done, seven-time Cup champion, uh, you know, and you know you got Richard Petty and Delarnar Senior. I mean, you can't forget about Jimmy Johnson. But man, I mean, hell, you need to add another one. It's hard to put four. You know what I mean? It's like you know, I definitely Richard Petty, AJ Foyt, Delarnar Senior. But man, guy, there's so many deservings. You know what I mean? How how do you even? Figure that formula out. Who's who's the next one? You know what I'm saying? Woo! You know, Mario Andretti, definitely. Uh, you know, David Pearson, Jimmy Johnson. I don't know, man. It's hard to hard to pick a fourth one. So let me let me just say if I if I was able to take Nikki off, I would have to put Tony Stewart on it because Tony Stewart's won in pretty much everything that he's ever done. And right now he's leading the the top alcohol dragster by 64 points in his first season over the NHRA. So, I mean, you got that, that guy's got a lot of talent. So you got to look at that, but yeah. yeah, like David said, you can't just pick, you know, four people. There's, there's that many, there's that many people that are, that are yes. so great in racing. Yeah. Here, here's mine. I'll go. Uh, Jimmy Johnson. Lewis Hamilton, John Force, um, and then I'll go Mario Andretti as my my Mount Rushmore. Um, Dominic, give me yours. No, we have, we have some similar picks there. I was trying to broad stroke all motorsports. It's very hard to do that. But hearing you guys speak, I think gave me a little bit of time to be prepped for it. I said Michael Schumacher, John Dang. Force, Mario Andretti, and Richard Petty. Those would be my Mount Rushmore of motorsports. Not easy. I don't. I can't argue with that. No, no, you yeah. can't really argue with any of these four. No. I mean, no. I know David had to include AJ Foyt, and you know he ridiculed Jerry about that. You know, being a okay. Texan, but other than that, AJ I'm lives thinking. seventy-five miles from me. Like literally, AJ is seventy-five miles that way right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming for you for leaving. Yeah, him he's probably going to put me in a headlock and punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, and, and the the little debates between just the disciplines themselves, like Jerry, we could we could argue all night about Schumacher versus Lewis Hamilton or the NASCAR side of the three-headed monster of the seven championships between Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, and Jimmy Johnson as well. I mean, yeah, you it, it's just uh, this is a hard, I heard, I heard this question come up somewhere last week and, and, uh, about the, the, uh, the Mount Rushmore. And I, and, you know, I was like, damn, I hope I don't get asked this question because I knew how hard it was going to be. And y'all put me on the spot. So, <laughs> so uh, to the, to the, to the guy who questioned that, thanks a lot. Um, and, and you know, but, but the, the great thing about racing is we have some really, truly talented people that have, that have come, uh, that have driven on four wheels all around this, this planet. We got one right now that might win this race Sunday, Kyle Larson. I mean, man, yeah. you know, you got to I mean, put him in the Tony Stewart era. I mean, man, you know, and if just, we back it down to two wheels, then we can talk Ricky Carmichael, you know, in that bunch, you know, so, 
Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty impressive for sure. Uh, next question in the inbox. This is from Connor for David. Uh, Connor wants to know, David, we know racers at your level have grueling races every week, but in your opinion, what are the most physically demanding racetracks? So ask me that again. Uh, let me read it one more time. Yeah, from Connor. Connor. Connor wants to know, David, we know racers at your level have grueling races every week. But in your opinion, what are the most physically demanding racetracks? Man, I'd, I'd have to go with, you know, the road courses. Sometimes these road courses are physically demanding. And then, man, a three-eighths mile dirt track, these sprint cars, I mean, late model wedge cars. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, there's a lot of them, you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, the road courses, golly, you know, if, you could equate how many times you're up shifting and down shifting in a road course and, uh, uh, you know, and then, you know, dirt tracks, there's a lot going on. Uh, so, you know, Darlington would be one man at times when you're 3,400 pound race car is not, not doing what you need it to do. And man, you're wrestling that thing for 500 miles to 300 miles, man, you're trying to keep it off the wall and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to race your competition. Woo, man, that thing's demanding, you know. So, uh, you know, there's severals, but I'd, I'd have to go with the first choice, be road courses, and then a, a three, eight, you know, some dirt tracks, some smaller dirt tracks, and, uh, you know, Darlington. It's, uh, you know, those things are physically demanding, uh, uh, you know. So, yeah, my my picks. Uh, Jerry, from what you've witnessed, uh, what do you think of the most physically demanding tracks and these drivers? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with David on 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 the aspect of the road course, but I have a question for David too. A couple of them, but uh, one of those like you talked about it being at Darlington. Do you know if you're a driver and you wreck early in the race and you know your car is junk? Do you kind of go out there and like do the the math in your head and, and it's like okay, I only need to run eighty more laps and then I'm going to put this sucker into the fence and go <laughs> to, go to the house. I mean, is that do drivers think that way? Well, I think some do, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a tough thing. I mean, because man, when you wreck and your race car is damaged at Darlington, sometimes it's, it's harder sometimes to stay out of the way than it is just to run the race. You know what I mean? I mean, hell, I mean, yeah, it's tough. There's not a lot of room there and man, you know, it's, you know, if you're running on the bottom or up, I mean, it's just not a lot of room, you know, if you're not up to speed, you know, it's sometimes just like, man, you know, you, you don't want to change the outcome of the race because you created a wreck because your car was fast enough to 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 make minimum speed. So NASCAR doesn't give you the black flag, but slow enough to be in the way, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's uh, man, those those races aren't fun. You're just doing everything you can to. And the only thing you can hope for is others have mechanical issues or sometimes wrecks. And, you know, you're picking up. It'd be amazing how many spots you can pick up sometimes. But, man, some of these tracks, you're just like, man, you're 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 listening to your spotter. You're looking in your mirror more than you're looking forward. It's because you don't want to change the, the you know, you don't want to be in the way. You know what I mean? So if that makes sense. So it's a challenge. Definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, no, no question about it. Dominic, uh, you know, there, there's been a number of times where I've seen David get out of the race car 
and it looks like he just finished a heavyweight fight. I mean, I, I, it's so disrespectful when I hear people say, you know, try to argue if NASCAR drivers or athletes or not, whatever, because – I mean, we, we've seen guys like David step out of that race car, and you're like, okay, they, they just went through some of the toughest four hours of their life. Man, there was one time, I think it was the 2021 Texas race week, and David was running the all-star race week in that week, and he'd run the Xfinity race on that Saturday. And you might remember, Tyler, Derry, I think you were there too. It was like 98 degrees, 99 degrees. I go up to the to go talk with David after the race, just, hey, how'd the race go, all that. And I had never seen David so sweaty so like look what was physically draining first words out of his mouth grab me a water you grab me a water so i, I booked to try to find him <laughs> as quickly as i could and then he's dumping the water down his back to cool his body down i mean you know those race cars get hot and i know the temperature makes a difference too and, and i've heard of drivers saying when the temperature is colder outside it's a little more bearable but i especially imagine on a hot day like that tyler you got to be in the best shape of your life if you're going to be running 300 miles 97 degrees in the dead heat of texas in june it takes a special person to do that not everybody's built to do that yeah and uh this weekend we will uh see it firsthand as uh, uh all of us will be at uh, texas motor speedway and david uh i know you're excited to get back in the car this weekend and a race there at your home track yeah no doubt about it it's uh you know it's it's been too long and uh uh just excited to get back to racing excited to see a a, a a great race be part of a great race and then to witness a great cup race on sunday afternoon man it's going to be incredible so i'm you know every week you know it's uh there's so much at stake in our sport uh you know there's so many great teams and, and, and drivers and teams that have a lot of momentum some were like man what's going on with them and uh man the anticipation of of the race is just really cool. Uh, it's exciting to have new eyes on the excitement of our sport and what's going on in our sport and how competitive it is. I love, uh, you know, throughout the week, people stop me and ask me, Hey, who do you think is going to win the race? You know what I mean? People that are, that aren't really NASCAR fans. So I just like the momentum that our sport has right now. Uh, we're growing, we're getting new viewership, new new uh, people watching, and uh, the playoffs are exciting. You know what I mean? And like, like uh, you know, like you guys were saying, uh, like I think Jerry was saying earlier, who would have thought that our former, our pat, our champion was not going to make it out of the first round in the playoffs? You know what I mean? But but you know, you go, you look at you know the four teams, and you know you look at the Penske teams, and man, it's. Uh, they hadn't had a lot of speed all year long, you know, and and uh, it's kind of interesting to to go from the champion to 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 not the type of season that we expected this the you know the uh, Penske team to have, uh, and then you look at Kevin Harvick, you know Harvick, man, I, he still got that drive in him, uh, man. He they were five laps down at Bristol Saturday night, and you know I was like, man, you know you were just I'm, I'm like. You know, they're just an adjustment away. They're a pit stop away from really turning that thing around, and it just seemed like nothing. They they changed everything, and uh, nothing was helping that car. And then, and, you know, you hear the Kevin's responses. You know, here, you know, the frustration of not being competitive during the race and not not making the chase. And he just said, "Hey, man, we this this has been an ongoing thing all year long. We just hadn't been consistent. We didn't have the speed." But, you know, all in all, the whole industry, NASCAR racing in general, man, I, I just think it's the 
playoffs and building up to the playoffs. Now we're in the playoffs. It, it sucks people in. And, and I just love hearing from new fans and uh, man for us, it's exciting, you know, and, and, and the race Sundays that will be no different. For sure. Jerry, uh, you're coming up uh, our way to the, uh, the better part of the state of Texas here in the next couple of days. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, I am. Hey, uh, David, I've got this, uh, I've got an extra 20 or $30 that I can, I can put this sticker. Maybe I can, I can help out some sponsorship. Uh, well, hey, hey, man, bring it on. We'll, we'll put it on the car, buddy. Heck, you know, it's, uh, hey, he's, yeah. He, he's put our logos on the race car before too. So. I, I didn't know if y'all had a non-compete or something, you know, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, man, hell, uh, you, uh, you know, from what, you know, all of you guys have done for the sport and the coverage you give the sport and the teams, the manufacturers, the drivers, uh, what you bring to the race fans, hell, you, all of y'all deserve a sticker on every car every week. You know what I mean? So, yeah. All right. I'll, I'll bring a sticker on Saturday. We'll be <laughs> yeah. David, along those lines, I do want to say something because I'm, I've am i been around, I think, longer than, than Dominic and racing experts. I, we started – when did you start, Dominic? I was – 2021 so i think yeah i'm i'm also 51 and you're a lot younger but right. we're all independent we're not sports illustrated we're not fox we're not uh motorsport we are we are guys that own our own companies i i own kick and i've owned it for since day one dominic and and and, and his group with racing racing experts uh you know front stretch is another competitor out there tom Tom Bowles is a friend of mine and, and a friend of Dominic's, and we we all compete like you drivers do, but there are small independent NASCAR motorsports media outlets out there that get overlooked, uh, you know, because we're not the big guys, and and that's frustrating. Uh, you know, I try to do things like Lamont. I try to do different stuff that uh, that through the years, and and you know, Dominic has been so committed, and Tyler so committed to covering this sport through the years. And I don't think either one of you guys, uh, you know, get the credit uh, that that you deserve. You know, I'm on the road more than you guys are, but you know, it's if you're not around this sport, sometimes they people forget about you, and sometimes people that think they're bigger than they are, they take a fall from grace, so to speak. And, and, and then they're kind of on the outside looking in. So this sport can chew you up uh, if you're not careful it, on both the driver's side, the team owner side, and also the media side, especially with the, the independence. Yeah, no doubt about it, Jerry, but man, you, uh, like you said, you've been involved for, I think you said 23 years, 24 years, whatever it is, but you know, uh, you've done a tremendous job. I hear nothing but good things about you, uh, you know, and, and man, I, I hope, that this sport, because the sport is a better sport because of you guys, you know, and what you do for it. And I, I hope, uh, you know, it's y'all's business. You own it independent. And man, I just hope, you know, that man, y'all have all the sponsors and you continue to flourish and continue to, to, to showcase our sport to the fans that, that, that loved hearing about the insides behind the scenes, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, it's uh, it's good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, And I think, to add to Jerry's point too, it's all important. You know, we, we we talked about the family aspect of sport and all that. Everybody's so tight with uh that everybody, you know, having friends like this, you know, stick together. You know, I mean, uh, you know, between the four of us, you know, everybody knows Dominic and, and David and I have uh been friends before this show ever started. But you know, Jerry and, and Dominic and I, you know, we, we we call each other friends. You know, we I was I was hanging out with Jerry and in Austin, you know, I mean 
And it's important to have those relationships, people that you just enjoy being around, can trust and 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 like being with beyond just, uh, you know, respecting each other's coverage, but just, uh, you know, being on the same page, you know, and that makes it a whole lot easier. People you respect, enjoy being around. Jerry, I would, I would definitely include in, uh, in, in that bunch with us, you know, and, you know, our, our buddy John Haverland, same thing, you know, among others there, you know, it's Dominic, uh, you know, of those that we surround ourselves with, it's it's pretty unique and good group of people. Well, I got to add to that too, Tyler. Anytime I've talked with you on the phone or David or even Jerry earlier this week, I mean, it's crazy. You can go all this time without talking to somebody and you pick up where you left off on. And 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 I can tell you too, it's pretty cool to hear Tyler or David or Jerry or whoever in the racing community. Anytime we talk on the phone, it's not really about racing stuff. Hey, how's the family doing? How's Felice? How's Christopher? Hey, how's mom and dad doing? That sort of thing. It's really cool. That family aspect, Tyler, you hit the nail on the head. It couldn't be more true. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I, I mean, you know, hey, Jerry was saying, you know, see some of the biggest people that fall from grace. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, we're trying to make a living, take care of our families, make sure we're happy, we're healthy, and we can pay our bills. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm no, no matter what aspect of this sport that we're involved in, you know, it's, you know, uh, you know, driver, crew chief, team owner, PR rep media racetrack G I mean, there's so many different opportunities and job opportunities, but at the end of the day, man, we're all human beings. We all have hearts. We have loved ones. We're trying to take care of our families, feed our families. And, uh, you know, the human aspect of it, uh, is I love it. You know what I mean? Hey, we all love and we're very passionate. You guys wouldn't have been in the sport as long as we all have, if we weren't very passionate about it, but man, at the end of the day, we're trying to make a living. Uh, you know, you guys do a great job. I hope you get all the sponsors you you deserve. Uh, we keep doing what we love to do. We can feed our family and we stay healthy. And, and uh, man, you know, it's like we talked about it earlier, Sherry Pollux. I mean, he's 44 years old, beautiful person, beautiful. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, you know, the, the you know, I, it took me a long time to realize this, but it was all about racing. You know, I race, race, race. I live, eat and sleep it, you know. But, you know, it wasn't until I got married and my kids were born. It's like, man, you know, when I have a bad race and I make it back home and open that door and I see those kids and my wife, it's like, man, it's, you know, what happened, you know, the day before or the night before, it's okay. You know what I mean? There's something much bigger, you know what I mean? But, but you know, it's it's just cool. We're like, like we said earlier, we're, we're a big family or we're just a small niche, but we're all family, you know what I mean? So, yeah, we're all humans. It's- no question, no question about it. Uh, and, and you know, it's you know, we're we're all just you know people too. You know, I mean, I've been around David when uh, he's you know been on the road and you know had had to take a phone call to you know make sure that the kids were okay and you know and and still being a dad even away from the racetrack stuff like that. You know, we, there's uh, there's things that still matter beyond just the racetrack itself. Jerry, before we go. Uh, this has been a great way to end today's show, by the way. Uh, tell us uh, where people can follow you and uh, see all the stuff you guys are doing uh, this weekend at Texas and the rest of the NASCAR season. Well, uh, you follow us at kickingthetires.net. Uh, we are we are upgrading our servers as we speak, by the way. We are getting new servers heading into the race this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. I've, I've reinvested in the sites uh, to build upgrade our stuff. Uh, kickingthetires.net. You can follow us at kickingthetires on X. 
Um, and we have the full kick in the tires now. There's no, we like, we have the whole uh, handle. Uh, thank you, Elon uh-huh. Musk, for that. You can follow me personally at Jerry Jordan underscore KTT. Uh, and look, I talk about me and, and stuff, but honestly, kicking the tires is a group. I've got, you know, 11 people, Seth Eggert, Cole Cusimano, Justin Schuler, uh, 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 Matt Corson, uh, Christian Coley, Rachel Schuler, Summer Bedgood. Uh, there's so many people that help bring kicking the tires together and that we put, we come together. But Zach Catanza ready. All of these people make it what it is, and we go out there and, and try to bring the fans the, the 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 best stories we can. And it wouldn't happen without them. I'm just the guy that signs checks and makes and tries to make stuff. Happen. <laughs> I don't write near as much as I used to, and I, I probably I probably need to do more. But I, I I'm out trying to earn a living and bring sponsors and bring and, and upgrade stuff. But those guys really bust their butts, and I I thank every team member. Uh, of kicking the tires for uh, for what they do for the for the site and for the organization and for racing as a whole and and thanks for bringing me on the show. Uh, I know I ramble sometimes, but you guys are my friends and and that's just that's truly how I feel. And uh, Dominic will tell you, Tyler will tell you, I am brutally honest at times and I I'm not afraid to hurt feelings. So <laughs> you want any other way, Jerry? Yeah, <laughs> no, you you didn't have to mention uh you know matt and christian you know we, we can leave them out you know like who, who needs those guys you know but uh get oh. <laughs> excited those guys are friends of the show uh but nonetheless uh jerry david dominic we will see you all this weekend from texas motor speedway should be a lot of fun cannot wait we'll put the checker flag out on this episode make sure to subscribe to let's go racing with david star new episodes out each and every week Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit us up on social media uh, on X at Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and also hit us up on email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. This show, part of the Studio Soapbox Network. Uh, Check out uh, the Jones Report as well as the Coach Bo Knows Podcast and more uh, on all podcast platforms. And we shall see you next time right here on Let's Go Racing. For David Starr. Gary Jordan, now that I got her gone, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.